Hey, um, <clears throat> Connor or Ian, can you put up that picture of the little boy in the yoke with the big strong ox, please? Ah, there it is. Okay, so which one do you identify with up there in that picture? The, uh, the strong, healthy leadership um, ox or the little child? <laughs> which, one can you, which one can you identify with? <clears throat> or <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes I... I act like I'm the strong ox, you know, and um, I'm told that to train a young, independent, energetic ox, they yoke it with an older, broken ox, trained ox, who's more docile, submissive to the yoke, and, and that young ox, if he, if he strains against the yoke, he will develop a soreness and a, and, and a, 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 a pain in the neck. <laughs> and he's not going to be a pain in the neck to the old strong ox because that ox is just going to go and do, you know, as, uh, as that, um, the father, who's called the father of modern missions, uh, William Carey, when they asked him, how do you get so much done? And he said, I plod on, plod on, plod on. And uh, so this morning, our, our next uh, chapter in this series, as we move through Luke talking about vision and saturation and activation, would be chapter 6. But before we go there today, I would like to go to Matthew chapter 11. And I want to read to you in the message translation, this verse twenty. Five. You can look at it in your own scripture, but um, I want to read it in the message translation. Matthew 11, chapter 11, uh, verse 25. Sorry, moving a little slowly here. There you are. And Jesus said, he broke, it says that Jesus abruptly broke into prayer in verse 25. And he says, thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed, you've hidden your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls. Think of the strong ox, or I mean the, the strongly independent young ox. But you spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Jesus then resumed talking to the people. But now, tenderly, the Father has given me all things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of the father and son intimacies and knowledge. I just love that picture. Everything that I'm doing, Jesus is saying right there, everything I'm doing, everything you see, every work that happens is unique to the relationship that I have with my father, intimate and I, and knowing one another. Now, no one knows the Son the way the Father does, nor the Father the way the Son does, but I'm not keeping it to myself. I, Jesus says, I'm not, I'm not keeping it a secret to know the Father the way I do. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Oh, Father, I believe we're willing to listen. Can you say amen? 
Can you say, Lord, I'm willing to listen? And then he says in verse 28, these familiar scriptures, but in this translation it says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? I talked with a young man yesterday and he said, you know, uh, recently I read the Bible through almost cover to cover. And I'm just through with religion. And I said, well, that's good because Jesus is not religion. You know, Jesus is, Jesus is relationship. The kingdom of God is relationship. We see the kingdom of God as relationship, not rules and regulations and legalistic um, um, musts and shoulds. And Jesus said, are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. Come away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. And learn, and I love this phrase, the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. The unforced rhythms of grace. Would you just say that? The unforced rhythms of grace. So keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, we, there are parts of us that are burned out on religion, tired and weary. And Lord... Um, we want to walk with you and learn and walk in the unforced rhythms of grace so that we can also overflow like we sang today, overflow in your love, dreams awakening, activation of spiritual gifts and, and relationships restored and See people come to you, be healed and delivered and, and not full of religion, but walk in relationship to you. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So um, let me, now I've got to back up. That's the sweet part of this passage. Now I'm going to tell you the very, very difficult part. Preceding verse 25, in verse 21 through 24, Jesus is talking to some cities and he's saying doom to them, doom, judgment to them because they did not have vision to see that he was the Messiah and that he was bringing the kingdom to them. So they did not have vision and they would not walk with him or come to him to, have, to be saturated in the presence of God. And they would not be activated in the life of the kingdom in them and through them. And so he said, doom to them. He said this, doom to you, Chorazin, and doom, Bethsaida. If Tyre and Sidon had seen half of the powerful miracles you have seen, they would have been on their knees in a minute. At Judgment Day, they got off easy compared to you. And Capernaum, with all your peacocks strutting, you're going to end up in the abyss. And if the people of Sodom had had your chances... The city would still be around. At judgment day, they'll get off easy to you. Now, that's quite a statement for Jesus to say to a group of people, Sodom is going to have it easy compared to you. Now, when you go to the prophet Ezekiel's, I think it might be chapter 16, but I'm not sure. I'd have to look it up. He says to Israel, the prophet says to Israel, you are worse than your sister, Sodom. You're worse than, than their sins. And, and then he identifies what they are. 
And it might surprise you if you're not familiar with the scripture, what he identifies was the sin that condemned them. It says, you will not open your hand to the poor. He said, you will not care for those in need. You are selfish and full of yourself. That, that's what was in their hearts. And that's what opened the door for that reprobate mindset that could not discern good from evil and fell into all kinds of immorality, unclean, sexual sin. But it began with a selfish heart. Lord, keep us from a selfish heart. Amen? Keep us from being full of ourselves or believing that we can do it. Believing that we don't need to come to you to be in the yoke with you. I, I want to mention to you one of my heroines, and I'm sure one of yours, Mother Teresa. In 1950, Mother Teresa was um, going on a retreat every year. Uh, she was already ministering to the poor in, in India. And um, the order that she was in, this was her annual retreat. She was on a train, gradually back and forth, going up this mountain to the destination. And she had a vision. You know, uh, uh, where there's no vision, the people perish. The people are unrestrained. Richard, I believe you used that, mess, that verse in your message from Proverbs 29 or wherever it is, 18, 19. Somewhere it is written. She had a vision of Christ on the cross. And, and, and what she saw was Jesus uh, uttering one of his last words saying, I thirst. Now that was the vision. When you receive a vision, you need the interpretation. The interpretation was that Jesus was saying, I thirst within the most thirsty of people. I thirst within the poorest of the poor, the a most unloved, unwanted group of people is where I am at in my thirst. That was the interpretation that she got. And so she was captured by the vision and the interpretation and moved into activation. When she came back from the retreat, she went to the leaders and, and to, the, uh, to the bishops and she, she submitted herself and said, I have a new calling to care for the poorest of the poor, to go into the streets and to love the most unloved. This would be the untouchables, the lowest caste in India. This would be the lepers, to love them and to give them dignity in death and the, and the experience of the salvation of God in Jesus Christ. 70 years ago, she began. Today, there are well over 5,000 members in her order caring for the crippled, refugees, untouchables, unloved, unwanted, poorest of the poor throughout the world because she had a vision. She received the interpretation. She pledged herself to be activated. Thank you, Mother Teresa. One of the rules in the Sisters of Charity, the Missionary Sisters of Charity, one of the rules in their order is before they go into activation in the daily chores, before they 
get whatever it is that they're going to do, go out into the street or go into the orphanage, go teach in the school, whatever they're going to do. They are to posture themselves for an hour in adoration. They are to be saturated with the presence of God. Now let me give you a picture in the Old Testament. You see the bread. And in John chapter 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I'm the manna that comes from heaven. I'm here, I'm here to be broken and to feed. I give my life for the, I give my flesh for the life of the world, he says in John 8. Now, in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle of Moses, and then later on in the temple, there was the outer court. We, we came in singing and giving praise to God and in the outer court. But then there's a curtain and there's a holy place. And inside the holy place, there was a table. And on the table, there were two... Actually, I don't know how many. There, were, there was the golden candlesticks. Richard, do you know how many there were? So there, were the, there was the light of God was lit within this holy place. There was also the golden altar of incense, where sweet incense, the aroma of worship, was going up to God. You can find a reflection of that in Revelation 7, where the, uh, the scripture says that the, the prayers of the saints came up to God like like, uh, um, and, and the angel went and got the bowl and filled it with um, incense mingled with the prayers of the saints and cast it upon the earth and it became fire. You were singing about revival this morning. Well, that was going up as incense combined with the worship and the power and presence of God in heaven to become fire on the earth activated in us. So the light of God was in the holy place, the golden altar of incense, and what's called the showbread, S-H-E-W, bread in the King James. It's also called the bread of his presence. It, the, the bread of his presence, now fresh bread was put out every day before, the, before God's presence. It's also called the bread of his face. Now that bread sat there in the light and absorbing the sweet-smelling incense. That bread was consecrated to God and only able to be eaten by the priest. And so when the bread was exchanged for fresh bread, the priests would eat the bread of his face. The bread of of his presence. You can see the foreshadowing of the table of the Lord. Instead of the table with the showbread or bread of his presence, we have the table of the Lord. Instead of bread that is only allowed to be eaten by priests, we have the bread which is the body of Christ broken and given for the life of the world. We get to eat by faith and feed on Christ in our hearts. Now, I don't know 
how much communion with God the priests actually experienced. I don't know what their faith level was that when they ate that bread, they were communing with God face to face the way Moses met face to face with God as his friend. I don't know. But we have that opportunity. Now, that's what set up the controversy in Luke chapter 6 at the beginning. So, if you will, now I will go to Luke chapter 6. And we see Jesus being confronted because he was walking through the fields on the Sabbath with his disciples, and they were reaching out their hands and stripping grain off the stalks and rubbing it in their hands to remove the the husk, the, the shell, and then eating it. Seems pretty innocent, doesn't it? But the Pharisees, oh, ooh, shame on you. (laughs) I mean, it just amazes me how they were so tight and so religiously inflexible and so judgmental that, that that's what they focused on when they could have received the bread of life. But they're, oh, you are, you're breaking the Sabbath. You're harvesting wheat. You're doing work. <laughs> and, and Jesus looked at them and said, have you not read in the scripture? And you, you find this in, um, um, I think it's 1 Samuel 21. Have you not read in the scripture that David, after Jonathan told him, my father is seeking to kill you. It's over. It's, it's done. You will never have any relationship with my father again. But remember me when you come into your kingdom because instead of me, instead of me, Saul's son, you will be the next king in Israel. I know. You see, he had vision. Jonathan had vision. He saw. He saw the future king. And he pledged his loyalty to him. He, w- he was... He was saturated, in a sense, in their relationship. The Bible speaks of their love for one another and, and that um, Jonathan uh, w- was pledged in loyalty to him. Now, David fled, and he got to the city of Nob. And he, when he came to Nob, funny name for a word, I mean for a city. When he got to Nob, he went into the priest, uh, Ahimelech, I think was his name. And he said, do you have any bread? I, 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 my men are out here, and, and I, we need bread. And Ahimelech uh, trembled before David because he knew the power of this man to fight the Philistines and, and uh, his future role. I think Ahimelech had a vision for, for who this man was that was in his presence. And, and he said, David, I don't, I don't have any bread. I've got nothing to give you. All I have is the sacred bread. And David said, well, give me five loaves of that. Ahimelech went in and he got the the showbread, the bread of God's presence, and he gave it to David. And David took it. Now, again, I think Jesus was, was giving them a picture, the Pharisees, of the state of their heart, of how wicked and evil 
a spirit of religion can, can become. Because when Saul found out that Ahimelech had given the bread of God's presence from the temple to David, he was so jealous and so afraid, he brought Ahimelech to him. And he, he, had, he told his men, kill him for aiding David. And, and his, his men said, no way are we going to take up the sword against the anointed of God, the priests of God. But there was an Edomite there named Doeg. That's a crazy name. I don't know what it means. And, and he says, Doeg, you kill him. So Doeg killed him right there. But he didn't stop there. Saul had, uh, it was uh, 70 or 80 priests were killed. All of, all of Ahimelech's household was killed. And he didn't stop there. He sacked the city and he killed every man, woman, and child in the city. Now that's how evil, a spirit of religion and, and, and um, n- having no vision, no faith to see the king and to see the kingdom, Saul was, was he was in much worse shape than, than the little boy in the, in, the, in the yoke. He wasn't in the yoke at all. He was in a different yoke entirely. Religion is a terrible yoke to be on. It, it weighs you down and it chafes at your neck and it, it binds you and it, it, there's no freedom in it. There's no unforced rhythms of grace to come back to that. If you want to walk in the unforced rhythms of grace, you have to be willing to be in the yoke with Jesus. To walk in the unforced rhythms of grace, you have to be willing to be in the yoke with Jesus. How do you get in the yoke with Jesus? You come to him. You come to him. I want to give three more words. I've mentioned them already. Vision, saturation, and activation. Would you say those three words with me? Vision, saturation, activation. So he's... Jesus paints this picture for them of horrible, a horrible, horrible event that, that uh, resulted from Saul's um, being influenced by this, this terrible spirit. And that was the context. He was saying to them, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for renewal, for recreation, for recreation. The Sabbath is for you to enter into the rest of God. The Sabbath is for rest, for saturation. It's for saturation. It's for saturation. So he said to them, you need to see the kingdom. You need to see the intimacy of Jesus with the Father and the Father with Jesus. You need to see that with the eyes of your faith so you're not like Saul or you're not like Chorazin and, and Bethsaida or Sodom for that matter. You need to see and believe in the vision of intimacy with Jesus and the Father. Nick was praying about it earlier. We need to believe that we can have that relationship with Jesus. Now, your relationship with him might be very alive. Um, how do you know that Jesus is at work in your life? Tears? Laughter? 
joy, energy, chills, your hair stands up on your arm or your neck, you maybe jerk a little bit. <laughs> How do you experience, oh, I'm aware of God? Um, no, I'm asking. Go ahead. Tell me. Go ahead. Say it out loud. Peace? Yeah. I purposely did not say the word peace because that's, that's the primary. But how else? Thank you. you. You're aware of his presence. The sweetness of his presence. How else? Joy. Overwhelming joy. Joy full of glory, Peter wrote in 1 Peter. Well, how else? How do you know? That's the other part of that verse that Stacy was saying in 1 Peter, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Yeah, we, we try to speak about it. We try to explain, what's the matter with you? Oh, I just, just I, hallelujah, <laughs> Jesus, hallelujah. How else? How do, you, how do you know? Because you see, Mother Teresa, after she received that vision and began to work, she went, she spent the, all of those years, 40 years, not really experiencing a moving, an awareness of the, of the presence of God. She had to walk by faith through all of that. It's incredible. Um, that didn't come out until after she died and, and people were reading her memoirs and, and, and they, they just couldn't believe it. Um, so, joy, peace, what else? I love that. Gentle breeze of his spirit blowing through my heart. What else? Yes. Wonderful. God confirms his word to you. Yes. That's wonderful. So vision and saturation lead us to activation. Not necessarily that we feel good. Not necessarily that we have joy and, and peace necessarily. But we know we have something to do. And in doing it, we are activated and God answers. God heals. God speaks. God is present. God's warmth touches somebody. Somebody is encouraged. That, then we know, oh, oh, okay, not only am I, am I in, in, envisioning a relationship with God, and not, not only am I, am I spending time with him, but God is doing something through me. Isn't that a wonderful feeling to know God is actually doing something through you, through your giving, through your praying, through your calling somebody, through your writing a note to somebody, through your touching somebody, through your encouragement, through your love. There are so many ways that God is working through you. Sandy? Peace. Peace.
Beautiful, beautiful. The, the knowledge that, that he is in control and, and I'm in the yoke with him. <laughs> he's, he's doing the heavy pulling. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of along for the ride, but he lets me, he lets me participate. So I, I think I'm doing a whole lot more than I am, really. But it's the unforced rhythms of his grace. Can you say that? The unforced rhythms of his grace. Everything you've just described, the peace, the joy, the release, the deliverance, the, the, that, that sense of awareness, that, that, that activation to do something, that's faith. All of those, all of those are the unforced rhythms of grace. Well, that's what Jesus was, was offering to them and, and um, giving them the fact that David was free f- to be able to walk in the unforced rhythms of grace. Even though they were still under the law of Moses and Jesus had not come yet, and Jesus is full of grace. Through Jesus we have grace upon grace in John chapter 1. It says even though they, hadn't, they didn't have that experience um, by revelation through Jesus, David was walking in grace. And, and many were, under the old covenant, many were walking in the grace and the mercy of God instead of just the, the tightness of the restrictions. So here we again have manna from heaven, the living bread, Jesus himself present among us. And we are enjoined by Jesus to receive the body, the bread of his presence, and to receive him as we receive the bread, and to to drink the cup, receiving the forgiveness of our sins. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There There is no one who has not sinned. There's no one who has not violated or broken God's law in some way. And so we have the gift of forgiveness because Jesus shed his innocent blood on the cross. We have his kindness and his mercy leading us to repentance. And so we have this vision of Jesus, not the judge condemning us, not the one shame, shame on you for not doing this or not doing that. We have a vision of Jesus and his intimacy with the Father, his union with the Father, and him saying, I want to, I want to bring you into this. I want you to experience what I'm experiencing. And, and the Father saying the same to us, I want you, my son. I want you, my daughter, to experience what I experience in union with my son. I'm bringing you into relationship. And you don't judge it by feelings. Well, I really don't feel it today. Mother Teresa didn't judge it by feelings. She had the vision. She spent that hour in adoration. Whether she felt anything or not, she adored him. She adored him. She somehow could surrender her heart to him and then go into activation. We believe that as elders that God is calling us 
to be activated in gifts of the Holy Spirit, in sharing the gospel. This place was full of people yesterday through the day, people coming in and out. There was worship and go, uh, prayer and uh, going on from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. at night. It was amazing moments of, um, I, at times I just sat here and wept. Um, it was a, a good day in so many respects. And um, Kendra could tell you that, or Barbara can tell you, that it was the single best month in serves opening, um, in serves reopening. Is that right? In serve ever. <laughs> Yesterday was set apart for saturation in his presence. In the process of that, the, 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 the take was over $500. That's wonderful. But we didn't have burn here. That's the organism, that's the, 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 whether it's 12 or 24 hour, we didn't have burn. We didn't host burn here in order to make money. We hosted burn because our vision is to saturate with the presence and the glory of God. And so in order that people can be activated in doing his will out there. So people come in and they're saturated in his presence and, and, and receiving encouragement and receiving hope, receiving peace and joy being saturated in his love and his word as the worship goes up. And Kendra's been carrying this vision, and there are musicians and worshipers around the city who are so excited. Some of them were saying yesterday, we, 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 it's just, you know, the lady who brought burn to Oakland, I'm sorry for the emotion, the lady who brought burn to the city, the one who initiated having this ministry of worship going up to the Lord, came in the morning and she was doing prophetic painting in the back and she was, she was just so amazed. She said, I, I had no idea. I didn't know you were here and doing this. She, um, some of the worship leaders who've been trained at, at, at Bethel Worship um, University, Worship U, were here and, and they said, we, we just appreciate so much this place. Kendra's hearing that from more and more worshipers around the city. Liam, the one who who heads up burn in the city called Kendra. I'm, I know it's embarrassing to you called Kendra, one of the most powerful ladies in our city. <clears throat> I don't know if you realize the significance of what God is doing and what, what he wants to do to multiply the, the, the saturate with the good news and the gospel through worship and through his presence. And then we go to WizKids. We go to um, Trail, uh, American Heritage Girls. And we go, to the, the troop that meets here Tuesday night, and Scott's uh, working with the boys. We, we go, Steve's across the street, bringing the kingdom of God over there in practical ways. Where do you go? You go to the grocery store. You go to your closet. You go with the vision of Jesus' relationship with the Father and that you are brought into it by Him, by His blood. You eat the bread of His presence and you're saturated with the Holy Spirit's power and love, the dunamis, 
the virtue of God that flows through you in activation and you come out of his presence. You come out having drunk the cup of his forgiveness and eaten the bread of his face. You go out and you touch and you touch those who are in need around you and you lift them up. You have a word for them. You have love for them. You're anointed in your craft with skill. You, 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 you minister the kingdom wherever you go because you have vision and you've been saturated in the presence of God, hopefully that morning and various times during the day as you call upon him. And so something emanates from you of the life of God. I know someone who uh, works in a public job and um, one day somebody said to him, uh, um, it's like this um, shield uh, blue around you. It kind of emanates from you. And, and uh, a couple days later, somebody prayed for that person and said, uh, there's, there's like um, an aura around you uh, because you, you worship and you're, you're in God's presence. And, um, and they said, Mitch, you had shared with them uh, that brain scans show when somebody is fully in a state of prayer and communion and and, and meditation and, and deeply that there's a kind of an aura uh, that shows up on the brain scan. Did you? In a Curlian camera, actually, um, which reads electromagnetic fields around the body and uh, projects it as an image. Uh, ours usually come off about an inch or so, and they're, and they're spotty, but in prayer they line up and they can reach it. Uh, as far as sometimes six feet. <laughs> yeah, and it sometimes will, will extend out six feet. Is that the part you didn't hear, the ending? Yeah, extending out. Now, just, just imagine that now. Because when you read later in Luke, Jesus is just walking, and they're reaching out and touching the hem of his garment. And in Acts, Peter is just walking and his shadow is falling on people. And what's happening? They're being healed. And the scripture says virtue is coming out of them. It's the same word dunamis. The same word as power. Virtue and power are coming out of them. As you walk with Jesus, and, and you're, you're remaining off and on <laughs> in prayer, in a, in a position of worship. Well, Lord, I just offer that to you right now. Well, Lord, thanks for that. Well, Lord, um, this one needs something. I don't know what they need, but you know what they need. And you're just going through your day, but there's an awareness. Because you have vision of Jesus and the Father, and because you, you've been saturated with his presence, so there's an activation in you. Just imagine six feet, electromagnetic, and just the love of God touching people. And that's a protection over you too, by the way. You're marked. You're marked with the presence of God and the good news. Hallelujah.